Hi. Hello. And welcome to Kraken's cabin. I have to admit, I didn't know if you'd have the opportunity to call over and see me this week, with it being the holiday period and everything. It's very sweet, though. I do appreciate the company. If I haven't told you before, I always appreciate the company. I know moving into this cabin to help with the research hasn't been the easiest of adjustments, and we're kind of at a bit of a dead end here with this photo of N. I've accepted that we'll find clues as they have been, and then we'll chase down the next one. This week, though, it's just felt a little despondent. There's just so many books and potential clues to be found in this old house. When I was in the attic bringing down the Christmas decorations, I actually found this photo album. It's full of pictures of my friends and family from even whenever I was young. No sign. I've been staring intently at everybody, but nowhere for her to be seen. You know, I've told so many stories, but there's one in particular about secrets and housemates that I haven't shared yet. So, if you're comfortable and you're relaxed, then we'll begin. This is The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. True. Nervous. Very, very dreadfully nervous I have been, and am, but why will you say that I'm mad? The disease has shortened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in the heaven and the earth. I heard many things in hell. How then am I mad? Hearken, and observe how healthily, how calmly, I can tell you the whole story. It is impossible to say how first the idea entered my brain, but once conceived, it haunted me, day and night. Object, there is none. Passion, there is none. I loved the old man. He never wronged me. He'd never given me insult. For his gold, I had no desire. I think it was his eye. Yes, it was this. One of his eyes resembled that of a vulture. Pale, blue eye with a film over it. Whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold. And so by degrees very gradually, and made up my mind to take the life of that old man, and thus rid myself of the eye forever. Now, this is the point. You fancy me mad. Madmen know nothing, but you should have seen me. You should have seen how wisely I proceeded, with what caution, with what foresight, with what desolation I went to work. I was ever kinder to the old man than during the whole week before I killed him. And every night, about midnight, I turned the latch of his door and opened it. Oh, so gently. And then, when I had made the opening sufficient for my head, I put in a dark lantern. All closed, closed, so that no light shone out. And then I thrust in my head. Oh, you would have laughed to see how cunningly I thrust it in. I moved it slowly. Very very slowly, so that I might not disturb the old man's sleep. It took me an hour to place my whole head within the opening so far that I could see him as he lay upon his bed. <laughs> Would a madman have been so wise as this? And then, when my head was well in the room, I undid the lantern. 
cautiously. Oh, so cautiously. Cautiously, for the hinges creaked. I undid it just so much that a single thin ray fell upon the vulture eye. And this I did for seven long nights. Every night, just about midnight. But I found the eye always closed, and so it was impossible to do the work. For it was not the old man who vexed me, but his evil eye. And every morning, when the day broke, I went boldly into the chamber and spoke courageously to him, calling him by name in a hearty tone and inquiring how he passed the night. So you see, he would have been a very profound old man, indeed, to suspect that every night, just at twelve, I looked in upon him while he slept. Upon the eighth night, I was no more than usually cautious in opening that door. A watch's minute hand moves much more quickly than did mine. Before that night had I felt the extent of my own powers, of my sagacity. I could scarcely contain my feelings of triumph. To think that there I was, opening the door, little by little, and he had not even the dream of my secret deeds or thoughts. I fairly chuckled at the idea, and perhaps he heard me, for he moved on the bed suddenly, as if startled. Now you may think that I drew back, but no. His room was as black as pitch with the thick darkness, for the shutters were close fastened through fear of robbers, and so I knew he could not see the opening of the door, and I kept pushing it on, steadily, steadily. I had my head in, and I was about to open the lantern, when my thumb slipped up the tin fastening and the old man sprang up out of the bed, crying, Who's there? I kept quite still and said nothing. For a whole hour, I did not move a muscle. And in the meantime, I did not hear him lie down. He was still sitting up in the bed, listening, just as I have done, night after night, hearkening to the death watches in the wall. Presently, I heard a groan. I knew it was the groan of an old mortal terror. It wasn't the groan of pain or of grief. No, no. It was the low, stifled sound that arises from the bottom of a soul when overcharged with awe. I knew the sound well. Many a night, just at midnight, when all the world slept, it is welled up from my own bosom, deepening with its dreadful echo the terrors that distracted me. I say I knew it well. I knew what the old man felt and pitied him, although I chuckled at heart. And he'd been lying awake ever since the first slight noise, when he turned in that bed. His fears had been ever since growing upon him. He'd been trying to fancy them careless, but no. He'd been saying to himself, it's nothing but the wind in the chimney. It's only a mouse crossing the floor. Or it is merely a cricket which has made a single chirp. Yes, he'd been trying to comfort himself with all those suppositions, but he found them all in vain. All in vain. Because death, in approaching him, had stalked with his black shadow before him and enveloped the victim. It was the mournful influence of this unperceived shadow that caused him to feel, although he neither saw nor heard 
but feel the presence of my head within the room. When I'd waited a long time, very patiently, without hearing him lie down, I resolved to open it a little. A very, very little creep in that matter. So I opened it. Cannot imagine how stealthily, stealthily, until, at length, a single dim ray, like the thread of a spider, shot out from the crevice and fell upon that vulture eye. And it was open. Wide, wide open. And I grew furious as I gazed upon it. I saw it with perfect distinctness. All a dull blue, with this hideous feel over it that chilled the very marrow in my bones. How I could see nothing else of the old man's face or person, for I directed the ray, as if by instinct, precisely upon that damned spot. And now, have I not told you that what you mistake for madness is but over-acuteness of the senses? Now, I say, came to my ears, low, dull, quicksand, such as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I knew that sound well, too. It was the beating of the old man's heart. It increased my fury, as the beating of a drum stimulates the soldier into courage. But even yet, I refrained, and I kept still. I scarcely breathed. I held the lantern motionless. I tried how steadily I could maintain in the ray upon that little eye. Meantime, the hellish tattoo of the heart increased. It grew quicker and quicker and louder and louder every instant. The old man's terror must have been extreme. Grew louder, I say. Louder every moment. Do you mark me? Well, I told you that I'm nervous, so I am. And now, at the dead hour of the night, amid the dreadful silence of that old house, so strange a noise as this excited me to uncontrollable terror. Yet, for some minutes longer, I refrained and I stood still. But that beating grew louder and louder. I thought the heart must burst. And now, a new anxiety seized me. The sound must be heard by a neighbour. The old man's hour had come. With a loud yell, I threw open the lantern and leapt into the room. He shrieked once, and once only. In an instant, I dragged him to the floor and pulled a heavy bed over him. I then smiled gaily to find the deed so far done. But for many minutes, the heart beat on with a muffled sound. This, however, did not vex me. It would not be heard through the wall. And at length, it ceased. The old man was dead. I removed the bed and I examined the corpse. There he was, stone, stone dead. I placed my hand upon the heart and held it there many minutes. There was no pulsation. He was stone dead. And his eye would trouble me no more. If you still think me mad, you'll think so no longer when I describe the wise precautions I took for the concealment of that body. The night waned and I worked hastily, but in silence. 
First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I cut off the head, and the arms, and the legs. I then took up three planks from the flooring of the chamber and deposited all between the scantlings. I then replaced the board so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything wrong. There was nothing to wash out, no stain of any kind, no blood spot whatsoever. I've been too weary for that. A tub had caught it all. <laughs> and when I made an end of those labours, it was four o'clock. Still dark as midnight. As the bell sounded the hour, there came a knocking at the street door. I went down to open it with a light heart, for what I had now to fear. And there entered three men, who introduced themselves with perfect suavity as officers of the place. A shriek had been heard by a neighbour during the night, suspicion of foul play had been aroused, and information had been lodged at the police office, and they, the officers, had been deputised to search the premises. But I smiled. For what had I to fear? So I bade the gentleman welcome. The shriek, I said, was my own in a dream. The old man, I mentioned, was absent in the country. I took my visitors all over the house bade them search and search well. I led them, at length, to his chamber. I showed them his treasures, secure, undisturbed, and in the enthusiasm of my confidence, I brought chairs into the room and desired them here to rest from their fatigues, while I myself, in the wild audacity of my perfect triumph, placed my own seat upon the very spot beneath which reposed the corpse of my victim. The officers were satisfied. My manner had convinced them. I was singularly at ease. They sat, and while I answered cheerily, they chatted of familiar things. But ere long, I felt myself getting pale and wished them gone. My head ached. I fancied a ringing in my ears, but still, they sat, and they still chatted. And the ringing became more distinct and continued and became more distinct. I talked more freely to get rid of the feeling, but it continued and gained definitiveness until, at length, I found that the noise was not within my ears. No doubt I now grew very pale, but I talked more fluently and with a heightened voice. Yet the sun increased, and what could I do? It was a low, dull, quick sound. Much such a sound as a watch made when enveloped hot. Gasped for breath. And yet the officers heard it not. I talked more quickly, more vehemently. The noise steadily increased. I rose and argued about trifles in a high key and with violent gesticulations. But the noise steadily increased. Why would they not be gone? I paced the floor to and fro with heavy strides as if excited to fury by the observations of the men, but the noise steadily increased. God, what could I do? I foamed, I raved, I swore, I swung the chair upon which I had been sitting and grated it upon the boards, but the noise, the noise arose all over and continually increased. It grew louder and louder and louder. And still, 
Still the men chatted pleasantly, and they smiled. Was it not possible that they heard me? Almighty. No. No, they, they, they heard. They suspected. They knew. They were making a mockery of my horror. This, I thought, and this, I think. But anything was better than this agony. Anything was more tolerable than this derision. I could hear those hypocritical smiles no longer. I felt that I must scream or die. And now, again, hark. Louder and louder and louder and louder. Villains, I shrieked. Dissemble no more. I admit the deed. Turn up the planks. Here, here. It is the beating of his hideous heart. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you tell I'm a fan of that tale? Might be a little bit more uh, nerve-wracking than you're used to before bedtime. But I promise the next time will be more soothing. But I think I'm going to take an early night tonight. So, good night, my friend. And I hope you sleep well when you get there. You deserve that. <laughs>